0: Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Bethlehem. Good morning, Kanji. Good morning to all of those online. I just want to say it is kind of a shock to be here, but a privilege to be here and, you know, a real honor. So, you know, it's funny because earlier this week, someone had asked, you know, was this planned or is this a God thing? And I can just say, if I'm up here, it's a God thing. This is not my primary gifting. You know, it was like being up here. I'm not on the teaching team, but I really do feel that the word that God gave me is for not just this congregation, for but for this time. And I want to talk a little bit about how old in the heck did I get here? Well, I think this word that, that I want to share today a little bit about, I shared kind of as an opener to communion um, probably about a year ago in Bethlehem. And, but it just stuck with me, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, it just didn't let go. And I just felt God kept adding layers to it as, as I prayed on it. And so eventually then we took a Peru team last year to do a leadership training in Peru. And there I spoke on this topic of forgiveness. And, and so it was great. And so when I was there though, a couple of people from the team and, and I'm sorry for all those who are on the team that are going to have to hear this message again, I have added to it. This is like, you know, Forgiveness 3.0. I think we're up to right now on the So, But but I think it was Grubb and a couple other people that said, you know, I really feel like that really should be given at the church. And so that's kind of where it was left, you know? And so we sat on that. And, and you know, until now. and And, and basically... If we fast forward to, to now, the last couple of weeks, I'd say last month or so, has just been full of just stuff. Both of our cars, our washer, right? When there was stuff with the kids and like significant stuff with the kids and like our students where it was, you know, pornography and fights and, you know, drugs and suicide. All of the big stuff was coming up and it was just little stuff and there are just all of these distractions. Danielle's aunt passed, my aunt went to hospice. And it was just like, whoa, what is going on right now, you know? It's kind of like a country song. My washer broke and my know <laughs> No offense to those who like country, sorry. But it felt a little bit that way. And so we're kind of getting into that. And I just, you know, but we don't lose our, our our sense of, you know, like, you know, purpose or what we're doing in our lives. It was just a lot to handle. And in the midst of this, I was trying to plan a Peru trip in June. And so I was kind of wrestling with that, though, because I really felt like, is this the time? And I really had sensed that long before we actually made the decision. And this is kind of an announcement, too. We are actually not doing a, a, a June tri- trip to Peru. We're going to be meeting with Sharon and talking about perhaps later in the fall. But that was a process because, it was, you know, I, I didn't want to disappoint Sharon. I didn't want to disappoint the people in Peru that, that look forward to having us visit. I do not want to dis- the people who are considering going. But at one point, it just like the Lord showed me, like, you are more worried about the disappointment of others than you are in being obedient to what I've already shown you. And so as soon as I got that, there was just a release, you know, and I thought, okay, it was easy to have those conversations. And of course, everyone I needed to talk to, do you think Sharon had a problem with that? Of course not. You know, she knew that. And so we were okay. But, but why do I say all of this? What does this have to do with forgiveness? Well, the, uh, the, immediately when I made that, there was some breakthrough in some of the things that we were struggling through. As soon as like, I moved into an act of obedience with one thing, there was breakthrough and release in others. And I feel like in that breakthrough and release, it kind of is part of the reason on how I got here. Now, to confirm that, there were several other things that kind of happened along the way. I could make this a two-hour thing, but I won't. But last week when I was here, as, as meeting leader, John Mosier, came up to me after service and said, hey, I've got a word for you, and I just really feel like that you were supposed to get up and do a teaching. Now, at that point, I was not scheduled to teach, um, you know, or anything, and so I'm like, okay, you know, John, I, I feel like, you know, there might be a teaching that, that I, I will share at the, at, the, at the right time. Sat on that. Wednesday came, and Ian said, hey, you know, I think this is God, but are you willing to do a teaching with this series? And would you do it Sunday, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And now normally I would have gone, "Ah," you know, and just probably come up with every reason to be like, you know, let's just put that off, kick the can down the alley, so to speak, and just uh, kind of waited. But with John's word that kind of came forth, you know, it was kind of like, well, it was a no brainer, you know, of course. And, you know, I will, I I told you, though, I'm like, I'll pray about it tonight, but I knew, you know, and so by the next day we were already rolling and preparing for to speak. So I really, I say all of this, um, you know, and, and even after making that decision, like I, I physically I had headaches for like three days after that. I felt like opposition to that. Now you could take that as a deterrent, but I didn't, you know, that's just a confirmation that you're moving in God's will. And so, you know, so I say that because I'm not qualifying myself and just qualify that this is the word that I feel like the Lord has for this time and this place and these people. And so I'm um, just being obedient, and I'm excited to share out of that, you know. So, Ian said a little bit. I've been a teacher for 27 years with kids, and so talking to kids is great. Talking to adults, y'all scare me. But, you know, I, I, so it's 27 years. I taught first and second grade, I think, for 19, and then I've been in fourth grade since. I got a little smarter, and so I'm working my way up there. Danielle's middle school, so if it says anything about, you know, how much smarter than me she is, we can go there. But in, in the process, I started really delving into something called restorative practices. And what is restorative practices? And uh, Stephen here, I know he's worked a little bit. Yep, nice Stephen. It is. It's really working toward restored relationship through acknowledgement and through the ability to forgive. Now, how we do that? So that's dealing with hurts. That's dealing with trauma. And specifically, i really use that um, with kids. You know, and really, it's proactive. It's reactive. It's helping them deal through a whole lot of stuff. So that's kind of the essential heart of it. And and. You know, I do this in a secular setting. And I've heard people before say, it's a shame that you have to do this in a secular setting and you can't declare Christ. And I I always think, "Eh, that's a calling to me. So I I never feel that way, first of all. And I always think of the Francis of Assisi quote that says, preach the gospel at all times, and use words only when necessary, you know. And so there are times, and God's open doors to really, you know, declare him over lives in, in the schools. But, but no, I, I, I think when we model love and we model forgiveness and we're working in these things, it is truly the greatest testimony we can give. And so I let God kind of sort out the rest. You know, I've always been comfortable being a sower, not a reaper. And, you know, I do, we just do our parts, you know, and we'd be obedient to what he's called us to And so, I really like the way Ian opened because it is part of this teaching, and I want to get into, have you ever had something really simple, like the simplest of our truths just hit you with a new profound level of understanding later? This is kind of where I'm going to go into I want to talk about the Trinity a little bit, and where, listen, you know, I grew up knowing about the Trinity, but but as, as Ian pointed out, you know, we really want to move into a deeper understanding of this basic foundation in our life. You know, first of all, God is love. All right. We we start with that very basic truth that God is love and out of that love for us, He created us in that goodness to have relationship with Him and 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 through Him. And so out of that love, and I think if we can move to the do we have that display up? Yep. Hopefully you can see that. And so out of that love for us, He sent His Son to us. All right. Christ to forgive us for our sins. And in that forgiveness, you know, we see that relationship kind of develop. And there's the Holy Spirit then And this is where I really started seeing this in a new way. It was really the Holy Spirit then that moves on us and is our guide to be able to do both between love and forgiveness, you know, without it. And that kind of completes this relationship. And I just saw that in a new way. And when I look at this, this, you know, I clearly saw this as a cross image. And I know, I know some of you are probably thinking, okay, okay, we see it. All right. Thanks for the kindergarten lesson on, you know, the Trinity. It does get a little deeper than this, I promise. But yeah, it's simple, but it just connected with me in a new way. Like, like the interconnectedness between the Trinity, I, I just had such deeper understanding. Like, you cannot take one away, you know? It is the perfect design and, and, and function. And so I want to get into this a little bit, especially as we deal with the uniqueness of Christ and forgiveness. And so we'll get into that in a little bit. So, let's, let's dig in a little bit in terms of, okay, what does the Bible— say about forgiveness. We're going to turn first, I got several verses here, and then this is really a topical teaching. So we'll kind of unpack some of these verses here, but then look at some of the practical kind of understanding that I've kind of developed through some of the studies with restorative practices and how it deals with forgiveness. But Bible's always a good place to start. <laughs> so Ephesians 4.32, it says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now, if you ask me, this is the example if we're to be imitators of Christ. Okay? First of all, we have kindness. All right? it's, it's by action. It's, it's our word. It's our deed. All right? But then we talk about tenderheartedness, and this is really dealing with not just word and deed, but really the condition of our heart, which ultimately, I believe, is the ability to forgive. All right? And again, if we go back to that Francis of Cicci quote, quote, right, this, this may be the greatest way Christians can, can show Christ you know, by showing Christ, you know, through, through their words, through their actions, and instead of judgment and fear and divisiveness, showing the kindness, showing the love, and showing the forgiveness. Unfortunately, I don't feel like the church has always been great at that, you know, and so I think we need to be challenged on that a little bit, you know. It's okay if we call sin sin. It's okay if we go out into the world and be not of it, but, right, we need to lead with love, you know, and we need to model kindness. We need to model this tender hardness. and if we're not Stop it. (laughs) Just stop it. Be nice. Lead with love. And because it's in this modeling of not only love and forgiveness, you know, this transaction between us and God through Christ who forgave us is the model then that we're setting for the world, you know? So moving on into Colossians 3, 12 and 13. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, as God's chosen ones, slow down, Eric, (laughs) holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. We are forgiven, so we must also forgive. You know, I've heard people say at times when they've experienced, you know, horrible things with people or whatever, how can you forgive that person? And I think we always need to leave with because he first forgave us, you know? It's always the model, because he first forgave us, all right? We are required then to go and forgive, and we can't lose sight of that, all right? So again, we have the model, and then we're forgiven, so we must also forgive. Moving into Mark eleven twenty five. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. We must forgive to be forgiven. Let me say that again. We must forgive to be forgiven. Without it, we're not going to experience the fullness of God in our lives. All right. Without forgiveness, there is no love. Without love, there is no release of giftings, healing, prophecy. And I think we have to remember if we're holding back, if we're not forgiving, it doesn't hurt the people we're not forgiving. It's hurting us. All right? And not just us, but it's hurting the relationship that we have through God because it limits his purpose for, purposes for us. And so that becomes a very personal thing, but also becomes a very kingdom thing. All right? And so we have to realize that that unforgives us not just against that, you know, the person that we're, we're not showing that forgiveness. And I think we got to let that sin in a little bit, you know. This is a big deal. And I feel like, I think a lot of us need to examine some of this closely, which will take some time to do today. All right, moving to Luke 17, 3 through 4. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he, rep- if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must also forgive him. And I think the whole turns to you seven times and, and, and asks in repentance, you must forgive him. And I need to say this too. I think sometimes when we say, I'm sorry, you can say, I'm sorry without truly being repentant. We all know that, you know, this is a heart issue, you know? And I think when we go to others, when we go before the Lord, you know, that is a necessary awareness that we need to have. Forgiveness is an unending requirement, all right? We must die to our own flesh to be able to do this. And I know that's hard to do, right? But I relate this kind of to, well, I'll our wedding vows. And I, I remember seeing a movie several years ago. I think it was Ben Stiller and uh, who was the other one? Ed Norton. Yeah. And they were like a priest and a rabbi. And like, I think the, it sounds like a joke, right? There's a priest and a rabbi. And, all right. But the rabbi says to the priest, uh, <laughs> uh, but he did say, like, how do you do this? How do you, all right? And he's like, you know, how do you make that decision? He's like, well, I didn't make that decision one time. You know, I make that decision. I make that vow every single day when I wake up. And I think of that with marriage. You know, we don't say, I do one time. It's an I do every single morning we wake up to stay committed to that marriage. We say, I do through every difficult interaction and every failure, we say, I do. You know, it's not a one-time deal. And I believe that this is the same way, all right, it is with forgiveness, you know. If we look, you know, at the church, the church is the bride of Christ, right? And then, in this, we see the unending vow of I do, all right, in the way we must forgive, all right? So again, all right, he forgave us, so we are commanded to go and forgive. So, is that sitting with everybody okay? Any, we, we good? Hopefully, this is touching on some areas, though, too. I really don't want this to be necessarily an easy teaching because I think if there's unforgiveness in your life, again, we as a body are hurting and we need to do better, all right, and to be better in order to truly love and to build rela- relationships that he's called us to. So, let's dig in more to the practical, kind of topical end of things. And this is kind of what I shared with the, before the communion, I think about a year ago, excuse me, I used to be an up here, you got to wet the whistle, are three types of forgiveness, right? And that's exoneration, forbearance, and release. And I want to talk about each one of these for a little bit. Now, when we look at the first type of forgiveness, we look at exoneration. Now, what is exoneration? Well, it's complete restoration. You know, this is where there's forgiveness And you are free because the relationship is completely healed. I I like to think of, of, you know, I have a picture where where hands are raised and people are free, but really the hands should be held together because, you know, the relationship is completely restored. And so this is an ultimate goal with forgiveness, all right? But it's actually really hard to do, and especially in the human condition, all right? And so this is a rarity, And so we're going to set this as the exception, which we will get back to this in a little bit. But let's dig into forbearance. This is the work, man. Forbearance is this is this is it. This is where you have steps to take to be able to forgive. You know, we're okay. All right. I will forgive, but it's going to take us some steps to get there. Now, when we look at the Old Testament, it's a perfect example, all right. Forgiveness came through, all right, sacrifice. We had steps to date to be restored and, and forgiven. And so that model was already there long before us. And so, but again, I, I really like to, we talked about relationships and stuff, and so much of my experience, I think, is my own learning has come through my own marriage. And some of the difficulties we had. And we're very open about that. We, we don't have a lot to hide. And so, you know, when I, I look at, Daniel and I, I, we were having a hard time. And so we went to marriage counseling. And I think, I, I can't say enough about counseling of those who can help you on these steps towards forgiveness. I'll maybe mention that a little bit more. But we had to do some work. And then when we're going to the marriage counseling, then the marriage counselor gave us steps to kind of regain trust in our relationship, to reach for some forgiveness and really to be able to flourish in our marriage. And so we, we had homework to do. We had to take that home. And then sometimes we would do the homework and sometimes, honestly, we wouldn't do the homework, All right, and then, and then that kind of, you know, when we got into that stretch where, look, I'm doing the work, but you're not doing the work, you know, we got into some pretty tough times. And I want to talk a little bit about that because we're going we're, we're gonna to talk about what those models do, like when we blame shift, you know? And so we would blame shift and, and, and when we should have been having that need to forgive one and we were going back and forth saying, well, you did this. Well, yeah, well, you did this and you, and we're just in this vicious cycle, you know, and where, what, what's at the root of that? It was unforgiveness, you know, and so how is our relationship going to build when this unforgiveness, you know, is, is in the middle of it? And quite honestly, it can't. Now, as we did the work, and it does take work, and I think that's where a lot of people get scared away, you know? If you're going to do the work to truly get to forgiveness, it hurts. There's a lot of dying to self there. It's going to point right back to you, and that's uncomfortable. You know, that took us to some deep places where I didn't even know we were there, to be honest, you know? Some harm from, you know, leftover stuff from my parents' divorce, anger issues, you know, that I had over the years, which were generational, you know, you're really doing the work. We're digging into it, you know, step by step. And all of that stuff, it kind of sat there undetected for years. But if we wanted to see a relationship go, you know, I had forgiveness not to do for her, but my forgiveness for her ended up dealing with forgiveness for others. You know, whether it was my parents or whether it was issues that I had over the years, which then the Lord kind of revealed later. And it was work and it's exhausting. And it's not done, you know. <laughs> like I'm not saying up here as an expert by any means. You know, this is this is some an ongoing thing for every single one of us. And so, I want to talk a little bit about those shame responses, though. And this is where I, I, I kind of really base a lot of my work in with the restorative practices stuff, because this is kind of deeper understanding in terms of how unforgiveness kind of sticks in our lives. You know, right? So we're basically or- oriented to moving toward happiness, whether it's happiness in our marriages, happiness in our walk with the Lord, happiness with, you know, whatever. Humans are, right, kind of designed to move toward the positive, all right? And so when we don't then, what happens? Well, this is where the conflict is. This is where the trauma is. This is where all of those things kind of exist. And people tend to work in four different models of how they respond to that. And these are what we call shame responses. Now, what I was talking before with the blame shifting kind of stuff, that's what we call attack others. You know, so you did this, you know, you did this, and the anger or the resentment or whatever it is, the avoidance goes outward towards someone else, you know? So there's the attack others, Right? The other one is attack self. Oh man, I'm no good. I can't believe I did this again. You know, you're horrible. You're stupid, you know, and, and you see this kind of stuff at work too. And a lot of people still kind of struggle there. You know, they beat themselves up and unforgiveness can lie there too. All right. And we're going to talk a little bit about forgiveness is not just outward toward others. You've got, you know, this could really deal with yourself and your ability to forgive yourself as well, because that's unforgiveness as well. So attacking self is, an, is, is another one of the shame responses. Avoidance. Now, the last two are avoidance and withdrawal. They sound similar, but avoidance would be acts that we do to, you know, specifically avoid that behavior. So alcohol, drugs, or biggies, when, when we look at how people kind of cope but it can be things that look positive as well. Exercise. You know, I, I, you know, when you're around marathon runners a lot of times, all of the marathon runners say, you know what, we're all running from something. And a lot of times if you're sick enough to push yourself that hard, there's some truth to that. Right? <laughs> like, but that can be an act of avoidance. It looks good on the outside, but you know what, that can also be an avoidance thing too. And so again, if it's, if, if it's, Taking you away from actually acknowledgement and dealing with some of those harms in your life, then then that's an avoidance technique. And so, and then there's withdrawal. Withdrawal is when you completely pull away. You pull away from relationships and you kind of go and hide. You know, we think of fight and flight. This is the flight part of it, where you are completely withdrawing. You know, hey, I don't have the problem if I don't have to deal with it. And so, all of these things tend to function with us, within us. All right, it's how we do things. And I, I guarantee, if you're sitting there. As I go through this. Now, I've done this with fourth graders. And if fourth graders can do it, you can. All right? Because my hope doing this with fourth graders, because this is tough work, all right? But man, if they learn to acknowledge this in their lives before they get older, think of the work that they're saving themselves later. Because once you've established those patterns in your life, and then you've got to go back and do the work, whew. You know, again, I mean, I just talked about how long it took Danielle and I to really work through some of those things in my own marriage. You know, so I have great hope for this. And this is why I'm so passionate about this, especially with younger children as as they develop and are ready for these conversations. You know, but usually when I do this, I love their responses because you go through and you kind of explain like the four things. And it happens all the time when I do it. They laugh. They laugh when they hit theirs. They're like, <laughs> I totally do that, you know? And, and it's great because they see it themselves. And I think adults kind of need to be reminded of that. You know, if you try to go to someone and be like, oh yeah, you're in attack self mode or you're in attack others, you know? Um, no one likes to hear that pointed out to them. But when you can lead them to the discovery for themselves and that own acknowledgement, let me tell you the ability to have an honest conversation is so much easier. And the work I get to do with those kids once they've done that, is it's, it's heartwarming, you know, like, like they truly begin the work and it starts with acknowledgement. And so when we get back to our sin and the need for forgiveness, what do we have to do first? We have to acknowledge it, right? We have to ask for forgiveness. And the first thing you're going to do to ask for forgiveness is to acknowledge it. And so this is really where the work is, I think, for a lot of others in our relationships. So normally in a training, if I were talking about like these four modes and these four shame responses, I'd be like, okay, let's break for a little bit and like do a little turn and talk. So Why not? Let's do it right now. All right. I want you to think about where what shame responses have you moved in. All right, and just turn to your neighbor. And this doesn't have to be real heavy. I'm just saying, like, make it later or whatever. But hey, just share a little bit about what do you do. All right. What do you see in yourself, and how do you cope? Go ahead. Have a minute. Doing this at home too online. All right, it won't be too long. Take another twenty seconds or so. Wrap it up. <laughs> all right. Well, good. I hear a lot of talk, which is a great thing. Now, all right. Now, if we're if we were into training and we had all day, we'd go forever. All right, but you have all day? You want to stay? Yeah. <laughs> Someone would not like that if I did that. <laughs> Ian's going, no. All right. Now, I love this, that the dialogue, like everyone went right into it. Bethlehem, I, I'm trusting you all did too. But the thing is, this is not, you know, hard to do. And, and and you know, once you start really doing the work, and, and why did I want to do that right here and, and, and kind of that way? Well, because guess what? Congratulations, you just took the first step toward acknowledgement of something that's in your life, you know? And if you acknowledge that, then we are a step closer to what God wants for us in terms of moving in these steps of forgiveness. All right, so again, without acknowledgement, it keeps us from forgiveness, which hurts relationships and ultimately our relationship to God because of how essential forgiveness is to our ability to love and to be loved, okay? And again, this is where my heart really is for this teaching, for the work I've invested my life into doing. It's ongoing work that we have to do not to or for one another, but with one another. All right. This is work we do together because we're all invested in relationships. And if you're not, you should be because it's what we're designed to do. Amen. All right. So as nice as it would be to forgive quickly and exonerate, most of us need this type of process. All right. And and I would say this, don't view, when we look at forbearance and we look at the three models, it's not right or wrong. Like it is what it is, you know, like, like, don't, I think we look at forbearance and like, oh, I can't just, you know, exonerate. Well, you know, most of us can't unless your name is Jesus, you know? And so don't view, like, the process as less because it's often in the process that I feel like God wants to address something in your life. You know, it's going to take those layers. And in the process, He's going to equip you, all right? And He's going to give you revelation. And He's ultimately going to give you a testimony that you're going to share with others. And it's going to reflect His goodness in your life. So. All right, as the Sixers motto says, trust the process. It doesn't really work for the Sixers if you're a sports fan. <laughs> they haven't quite got there yet, but you know, it's, it's part of it. All right, and, and I would say this too with the process this is sometimes hardest with the ones we love the most. You know, we kind of laugh, and I look at even like the, the shame responses we do here. What I might do in, in public is different than what I do at home. You know, you can function, and not just one of these, you might really be functioning different ones with different people, you know. And so, unfortunately, sometimes, you know, I really have invested myself in the restorative practices, and it really works. I see it doing a lot of good in life, and then I'm so horrible at it at home, you know? I I just feel like that is, and I'm just being completely transparent there, but man, those who are closest to you, it's a whole different level of work, you know? And so, yeah, I think we need to, to kind of be aware of this, and if anyone has Now, I've got Grace in here, so it's okay I say this, but teenagers can kind of challenge you in a whole different way too, you know? And so, but I love it because my daughter right now, there is a Bobby Nesbitt is doing a Sunday school teaching on social media, and you know what? I really felt like my daughter daughter needed to be there. So rather than her come and not listen to me, I sent her there to listen to Bobby. So, but yeah, this is a, a, a lot of work. So that, that's forbearance. Sorry. So let's look at the last model. All right. And thanks for bearing with me as we kind of work through that one, because I do feel like forbearance is, is the one that is kind of the most significant for us and, and, you know, is really where the work is. All right. The last model is release. This is not always the ideal, especially if we're looking at forgiveness as a way to build relationship, but release in forgiveness can be a necessary thing. Right Now, There's simple things like, okay, if a thief comes into your house, steals, goes, we are still expected to reach a place of forgiveness for those that have harmed us. However, all right, you might not be able to go find that person and build relationship with the thief that came to your house, you know? All right, so this would be a very easy terms of, okay, this is just a release, forgive, release, all right, and there's not going to be any relationship building. But this can also really exist within our own relationships in life. Now, as I said, I'm a teacher, and so some of the experiences that I've done with my kids and working through some stuff is they've seen some significant trauma. You know, when you look at abuse situations, you know, you know it's horrific stuff. And, and as, ultimately, though, at the end of the day, you still want them to get to a place where they can be in a place where they can forgive, you know, because being in, in that ability to forgive... Will, it, will, will be their ability to love and it will impact not that relationship necessarily, but the relationships that they have with others. And so we're still working toward forgiveness. However, all right, this might be a, a chance with a release. You don't want to put someone who's been abused back into the relationship with an abuser. And so there might come a time where there needs to be release. All right? And so this is a forgiveness and release. Now, if you are there, all right, that doesn't mean you stay there. All right? You can have a release type of forgiveness, but then eventually come back to this years later and then move into that forbearance. So like, listen, we've walked away, but I I, I really feel like I need your relationship in my life. What are the steps we need to do to make that happen? You know, and that's hard stuff, you know, because when we're getting into this release model, we're really dealing with significant harms and significant trauma, which really takes a lot. But again, I feel like you know, our goal would be to go back and to work that into forbearance, especially if it's a relationship in your life. So, all right. You all with me on this? All right. All right. How you doing, (laughs) Bethlehem? Online people, you still there? By the way, my mom is actually online. I want to say hi, mom. And it's kind of funny because if she's listening to me do this thing on forgiveness, like we had to practice a lot of forgiveness together, especially her for me. And so, mom. I'm sorry. It was a lot of years. It was a lot of years that you had to really extend your forgiveness. But hey, at the same rate, I forgive you too. And why do I say that? Well, because we need to do that. And I know right now when I talk about the struggles with my own kids and stuff like that, I hope that the model that I have with my relationship with my mom, that we're in a good place where I've forgiven her for things and she's forgiven me. In the darkest times, I certainly hope I hold on to that because I know that's the hope I have for my kids as well. You know, and so I love you, Gray. You too, Violet. <laughs> all right, so let's take this a step further now. And I want to talk about forgiveness in the church, all right? In Matthew 18, 15 through 20, I think I only have the first three verses here. It says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they still will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of one or two, of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Now, this scripture, I love this. Now, when we planned this teaching, I didn't realize that we were going to be working backwards through Matthew, right? And this was already part of the teaching before I knew that, like, hey, we're going to be right here. So again, that's really by design. That's that's God. Um, But this scripture is how I believe, like, our forgiveness models kind of look within the church, you know? It's a true, like, if if you look specifically on relationships that we seek to maintain, all right, with our brothers and sisters, all right, we have to take a little bit of time to talk about how unforgiveness can limit the church, okay? I think a lot of times we kind of go through some things in the church where there's an offense given, all right, and we don't go address it. Now, we can give a lot of examples. People have left churches over this, where rather than dealing with the offense, we just go elsewhere, right? We, we, we've seen that with church hoppers. Now, church hopping, like, listen, if you're truly finding, you know, your body and, and you need to move, like, I'm not saying moving churches is a bad thing, but if you're doing it for the reason of avoiding offenses you're functioning in unforgiveness and that's, that's not good. That's not okay. All right. And the church needs to be very aware of that, you know? And I think too, like, like sometimes we carry offenses, like in ministry. I know we get territorial ministry sometimes and people get, you know, we just get our our stuff up. And sometimes we might be like, oh, we're okay though. We didn't have any outward conflict, but I would challenge you this. Where's your heart? If your heart's there and you're disgruntled at someone in there, you might need to extend forgiveness. You know, it doesn't have to be outward conflict where forgiveness needs to be extended. And so I really challenge that to the church, because if it's keeping you from a better relationship, and especially if it's keeping you not only just a better relationship with one another, then it's impacting your walk with him, then obviously it's an area that needs to be addressed, all right? Now, again, if we look back at this scripture, though, all right, I see, all right this forbearance in here. There's a clear set of steps that are being followed here, okay? If you have an offense, go to them. If that doesn't work, then you go to the next step, all right? I'm going to take two or three. If you don't do that, then I'm going to go to leaders. Do you see this? Like, this is forbearance, like, within the church. There's a set of steps there, all right? And then they even go so far as to, if that doesn't work, then you're going to treat them like a pig on a tax collector. And we kind of move into that release where, like, okay, we've done everything you can. You won't submit to that authority, you know, then that's, that kind of moves into that release. So that's where we kind of see this at work, those, you know, those, those models right within the church. Now, I want to kind of, kind of move into a closing here a little bit. I want to just say, and what this whole thing is kind of pointing to, all right, in our humanity, we function in forbearance and release, all right? I truly believe, all right, that when we move into the uniqueness of Christ, all right, the true power of the cross, all right, that's where the exoneration of our sins is, all right, That's, that's what makes Christ unique. That's when we talk about exoneration, we understand this in a new way, because what he did for us is unlike anything we can relate to in our human relationships. This is what sets him apart, all right? And so I can't try that enough. When we look at exoneration, you know, and we look at the power of the cross, it's here. You know, there's no steps. There's no steps, right? You, you, you acknowledge it and you are forgiven. What a good God. What a good God to send us, his son, to die for us so that we are exonerated from our sins. No steps. It's amazing. It is amazing. So what I hope for you is I want you to examine, as we move into this series and these dynamics of love, dynamics of relationship now i forget what they were dynamics of love seven dynamics of something love it was love <laughs> this has to be first you know I, I know in the news right now you know a lot of us are paying attention to how revivals work and well, let me tell you all right I, I know this about revival you can't have a revival without forgiveness you know what I mean? either it's going to be a prerequisite for revival or it's going to be a result of revival but you cannot have revival without forgiveness and so what a great place to start huh <laughs> Let's go. So what I want you to do, and we'll take a couple minutes. I want you to examine where is there any unforgiveness in your life? All right. We talked about a lot. We talked about it in the church. We talked about with others. We talked about family. All right. Where is this? And or is it with you? You know, again, I, I want to say this can very much lie within you and your ability to forgive yourself. I think of Paul, the good I know to do, I do not do, you know? And then if we're in a habit of beating ourselves up over that, then we need to address that as well. So, right, because all the chains of condemnation here are broken, and I feel like one of the cousins of unforgiveness is disappointment. You know, in those relationships, we're really disappointed. You know, it's really easy for that to kind of move into some unforgiveness, and that can kind of go undetected. So I'm really saying, take a look, dig deep. All right, and I'm going to invite the musicians to start coming forward, but as they do. I want us all just to bow our heads, and I want to take some time, just some silent reflection as we move forward in this series. Where, you know, where, where is that unforgiveness line? What work do you need to do? What steps do you need to take? All right, let's pray. Father God, I just pray that in our silence, Lord, that you can just reveal to us that which keeps us from you through our own unforgiveness, Lord. You forgave us so that we for, might forgive. And we forgive, Lord, in the requirements to be forgiven, Lord. So we, we, we ask, Lord, show us, Lord, those areas that we've just not given to you, that we've not given to, to be forgiven, Lord God. So we just show us right now. Lord. Some of you might be hearing this for the first time as well. If that's you, if you were, this is your first time to come to the Lord to say, please forgive me. I want to take time to do that. And I want us all, you know, to really contemplate that and agree in our hearts, you know, the sinner's prayer to say, Father God, we acknowledge that you alone are the forgiver of our sins. We recognize ourselves as sinners, Lord, and it's only through you, Lord, that we can be restored in our relationship with you and in the relationship of others. Help us, Lord. Move on us, Lord, right now, I pray, so that we can move into forgiveness, Lord, and, th- and therefore, Lord, move into better relationship, Lord, move into better relationship with you to see the things that you have for us released in our lives so that we can go and glorify you through that which you've called us to do. Thank you, Lord. let declare all of that in your name. Amen. Amen. Now, we covered a lot and I gave you a lot to reflect on, but the real work now kind of lies with you. You know? I want you to be prayerful as you go forward. As we move in the series, be prayerful. Be obedient to what He shows you. Be forgiving. Be forgiven. And ultimately, love. Thank you for listening to the NC4 podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.